This Bee Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. Loved and trusted by more than 1 million teachers, IXL enhances your teaching and takes work off your plate, so you can make an even bigger impact on your students. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K through 12th grade curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable real-time insights. Strengthen daily instruction, close knowledge gaps quickly, and set every student up for success. If you want to bring IXL to your school, you can learn more at IXL.com backslash B-E. That's IXL.com backslash B-E. We're proud to be sponsored by MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Schools can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, activity periods, RTI, therapy, and teacher appointments, and much more. With its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off the first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE. This is Dr. Karen, and you are listening to the DeFacto Leaders Podcast on the B Podcast Network, where I help pediatric therapists and educators become better leaders so they can make a bigger impact with their services. With over 15 years of experience supporting school-age kids with diverse learning needs, I'll share up-to-date evidence-based practices, my own experiences, and guest interviews designed to help clinicians, teachers, and aspiring school leaders feel more confident in the way they serve their students and clients. I'll cover a range of topics designed to help you support students' emotional and academic growth and set kids up for success in adulthood, including how to support language, literacy, executive functioning, as well as how to help IEP teams working together to support kids across the day. Whether you want to learn more effective strategies for your therapy sessions or classroom, be a more influential leader on your team, or find creative ways to use your skills to advance in your career, I've got you covered. Hey there, it's Dr. Karen, and welcome to episode 130 of the DeFacto Leaders Podcast. I'm really excited to share this episode with you. I know that I learned a lot just doing this interview, and it definitely got me thinking of a lot of different ideas that I could do myself and my career in my business. So most people who are involved in K-12 education in some way aren't in it for the money, but with high caseloads and low pay, a lot of people are considering a career transition and wondering what else is out there. And for people in therapy roles, private practice is a common option on the table, but many people who come from a helping people mindset really struggle with the idea of focusing on business and revenue, the idea of charging for your services, and 
offering services to the people who can afford it gets to be a little bit challenging. And I know that a lot of people wonder if they're going to be helping those underserved populations if they are going to start a for-profit business. That's why I invited Ebony Green to episode 130 to talk about how she scaled her private practice and how this has helped her to provide accessible services to underserved communities, as well as create fulfilling careers for therapists, so the people that work for her. Ebony is the CEO and founder of the SLP Business Suite, an innovative educational platform where she teaches speech-language pathologists how to grow their businesses to six and seven figures. She has more than 10 years of public and private sector experience as a certified speech therapist who specializes in autism and bilingual speech support. And she grew her own practice, CASA Speech Development Services, to seven figures in just three years through multiple school contracts that support more than 700 students annually. And she's helped her clients secure contracts across the country, totaling in millions. Esteemed organizations like the American Speech, Language, and Hearing Association and the National Black Speech, Hearing Association have tapped Ebony to present both virtually and in person for national conferences. She's the host of the SLP Business Podcast and has also been sought after in various media outlets. She's also a married mother of two and she lives outside of Phoenix, Arizona and enjoys being a soccer mom and volunteering with her daughter's Girl Scout troop in her free time. Some of the things that she shares are how expanding her service offerings and her revenue has allowed her to offer inclusive services to communities that previously had limited access to support and a lot of this was going on during the pandemic. She also shares why contracting with schools has allowed her to offer competitive pay for her team while advocating for them to have manageable caseloads in the districts that they're contracting with. We get into a discussion about how to determine what services to offer in your business, what niches to serve, and how to determine when you should say yes to opportunities, especially when you're first starting out versus when you've been in business for a while. And then we wrap up by talking about the importance of finding coaches and mentors to help you advance in your career, including how you can find the right advice at the right time. I found this part of the conversation really helpful because being someone who is a business owner myself and I've gone through various career transitions, it's really difficult to know whose advice to take at what time, how to add context to the advice that you're getting, and how to know who actually knows what they're talking about. And Ebony is the real deal, she has so much good information and she has done all the things that she is teaching people. So that is something that isn't always the case for people who are offering coaching services or courses. So she really knows what she's talking about and so I am really excited to share this interview with you. Before we get going, I wanted to share a little bit about the Bee Podcast Network. This past year, I joined a podcast network that is focused on education and leadership reform. There are tons of shows on the network. Obviously, there's my show, De Facto Leaders, and there are other shows for people who are in education, school leaders. There's a lot of school administrators. There's also shows in learning and development. There are shows that are focused on entrepreneurship. 
There are also going to be some shows in the parenting category as well. So if you are looking for shows to inspire you to level up your career in education, more effectively serve your students, or if you are looking to get involved in advocacy efforts and you just want to know what's going on in the field, we've got you covered. You can learn more about the Bee Podcast Network at bpodcastnetwork.com. Now, please enjoy this interview with Ebony Green. Today, I am joined by Ebony Green, an SLP from Phoenix. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Thank you for having me. So I am really excited to pick your brain. I have so many different questions. So why don't we start off by having you just give us the background of your your career trajectory and what you're doing right now, and then we can get into some questions. Sure. So my career actually began um, in the classroom. I was a classroom teacher for four years. I attended the University of Texas at Austin and graduated with a bachelor's in communication studies. So um definitely wasn't the career path that I took. But uh, nonetheless, I found out about a program called Teach for America. And Teach for America is a program for uh, college gra- recent college graduates who want to work in underperforming school districts as teachers. So I ended up going through Teach for America, got an alternative teacher certification in the state of Texas. And um, I was a certified bilingual EC through four, early childhood through fourth grade teacher. Um, I taught for two years at the elementary level, and then I uh, decided to try something different and went to the high school level. So I taught high school Spanish um, levels three and four for uh, two years. And then I completely switched career paths and started exploring speech language pathology and uh, became a speech language pathologist assistant, followed by becoming an SLP after I attended grad school. Great. So what are you doing now? I know you have a lot of different things that you're doing now. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yes. We were just talking about this uh, before we started recording. I am um, an SLP. Um, I have a private practice and started this business back in 2019, um, right after I finished my clinical fellowship. Um, the reason I decided to go into private practice was because I had worked in the clinical setting and in the school setting and in home health for um, pretty much my entire career as an SLPA. And I realized that while I loved working in all of those different settings, I wanted to create an opportunity for myself and for other therapists to kind of have a one-stop shop. Um, And so my private practice does home health. We do school contracts and we we have a clinic. And so um, people who work for us can work in all three of those settings if they wish. Um, Additionally, it was very important for me to have a place to work where I felt like I uh, was represented and where I belonged. And so uh, being a woman of color, I didn't see a lot of other therapists that look like me at school jobs where I work or at clinics where I work. And so I wanted to create that uh, diverse workplace um, where I felt represented. And so um, it's interesting because as a woman of color, you know, um, people who apply to come work for me are other people of color. Um, so we have one of the di- most diverse clinics um, in my area. Um, if you look at our demographics in terms of our staff, um, you will see 
every ethnic background. Um, you will see every every you know gender. We have as many male therapists um, as uh, female therapists. So you know we're very diverse, and I um, that was one of my biggest goals when I decided to start my private practice. Um, in addition to private practice, I also run an online education company. Um, it's called the SLP Business Suite, and this is a company that I started in 2020, right around COVID. Um, I noticed a lot of speech therapy private practice owners were struggling to keep their doors open. And um, it was interesting to see that because in my case, my company was growing um, exponentially. That was only my second year in business. And um, we saw a slowdown in patients coming into the clinic. We actually shut the clinic down. But we started growing on the school contract side. And the reason we started growing was because school contracts um, back then were like hotcakes. These schools needed therapists because people were quitting or people were deciding that they, um, you know, wanted to take a leave of absence during COVID. And so they needed providers um, like small business owners, private practice owners to come in as contractors and fill that need. And so uh, we saw a dramatic increase in um, the number of hours we were billing in our school contracts. And uh, schools were wanting people who were interested in doing teletherapy. And um, my company in particular, we started doing teletherapy with rural school districts well before COVID. So we were already equipped to take on those new schools that were frantically searching for uh, virtual mm -hmm. speech therapy providers. That is how the SLP business suite was born was because I started teaching a course on how to get school contracts. The school contracts thing is really interesting because when I, so, I mean, my business is primarily courses. I dabbled in private practice and just didn't go that direction for a number of reasons, but school contracts were just not something that I even thought of. I just thought of the traditional, like, you have a clinic and people come to you or you go to, you know, do home health and go into people's homes. And it just wasn't even on my radar. And I think that a lot of the, a lot of the courses, like I didn't know where to go for help for figuring out how to start a business. Like I knew Jenna, she was just Jenna Castro Casman was, was yeah. kind of just starting her stuff back then. But other than that, there wasn't a lot of support and there's a lot of this messaging around, charge what you're worth. And, and obviously a lot of people start out with, with private pay, but it wasn't even in my vision or thinking about, oh, you can go and have a contract with a school district. And I know that a lot of people have a hard time with that because maybe they're employed by someone. And so that right. means they don't have to worry about the marketing. They don't have to worry about getting clients. And if they work in a school district, they're they can serve populations that might not be able to afford private therapy. And so I know that there's this whole ethical thing that a lot of therapists right. struggle with. And I'm curious how having that whole one-stop shop like you have has allowed you to serve different populations in different ways, you know, people who can afford it versus people who have insurance and like how that has allowed you to to make your services accessible to a lot of different people in your area. Right. Yeah. So there's so many things that I want to touch on um, in regards to what you just mentioned, but I'll start with, you know, um, switching that mindset uh, as, as clinicians, you know, we are helpers. We want to help everyone. And a lot of times we are afraid to do it um, if it means we're going to make money. 
Let's just mm-hmm. be honest. Um, yeah. You know, we have this mindset that we should want to do this for free because we're helping people and, you know, we're passionate yeah. about what we do. And while that is true, you know, we are passionate. Um, we do love what we do. You know, this is, it, it takes a special person to uh, work with some of the, uh, you know, the populations that we serve at the same time, you know, um, it doesn't have to be done um, in a way where you're not able to um, live a comfortable life or yeah. where you're not able to, you know, um, take the summers off if you work in the schools because you've got to get a second job to pay for, you know, the bills that are still coming in over the summer or what have you. So, um, you know, school contracts was a great opportunity for me to do a lot of things that I wasn't able to do working as a district employee. Um, the first thing that it allowed me to do, um, because I did work for a district before I decided to do this. And I, I noticed immediately the the main differences. The first thing that I was able to do when I decided to switch over to becoming a contract provider um, directly with the district, not through another contract company, um, was that I was able to make decisions that I wasn't able to make before uh, when I worked directly for the district. So what that means is, you know, I I get to decide um, what caseloads look like for my therapist, you know, if a, if a school has 150 kids uh, receiving services, I get to negotiate with that SPED director, with that school um, administrator on, you know, what does the workload look like for my therapist? Because 150 kids is not something that anybody can manage in 40 yeah. hours a week. And so I sit down with these school leaders and I say, okay, this is, you know, a pretty sizable caseload are we able to add an assistant? Can we add two assistants, right? And so I'm advocating on behalf of the therapist. Um, And I wish that, you know, when I was in a situation where I was a part-time therapist working three days a week, having a hundred kids on my caseload, I wish I had that type of advocacy um, from someone, you know, who had my best interests at heart. But unfortunately I did not. And I wasn't able to my voice wasn't really heard because they were so concerned about the budget, you know, and mm. um, with contract services, you know, you get to advocate, you, you tell them what the price is for that workload. And so if they determine, you know, unfortunately, no, we can't get an SLPA, then I get to say, okay, well then I need someone else to take half of this caseload so that I can make sure my, my therapist is working the 40 hours per week that she should be working and nothing beyond that. Right. And so it allowed me to make um, decisions for myself and for my therapist. Um, Becoming a contract provider also allowed me to um, grow my business revenue um, much faster than I would have if I just focused on um, the clinic and Mm -hmm. home health, you know, so adding another stream of revenue to my business allowed me to open up two clinics um, it allowed me to hire, um, uh, about twice as many staff and, um, it allowed me to, um, uh, provide, you know, incentives for my, for my therapist. I was able to get health benefits and I was able to offer, um, 401k matching, um, all because, you know, this, um, this need is so great that schools are willing to partner with small businesses like mine. And, um, Yes, they are going to pay a little bit more than hiring a direct uh, therapist who works for the district, but uh, 
these services are, are federally mandated for the students, right? So they must have a provider. Um, and so contract providers kind of help fill that need. Um, and I want to also say that, you know, it's not like a one-sided thing. Like I'm not getting all these benefits and the school is getting nothing. They are getting quality therapists. They're getting therapists who are happy because they're not overloaded. Mm -hmm. um, they're getting therapists who are happy because they're getting paid a decent wage because what I charge the school districts allows me to pay my therapists more than what they would get paid working directly for a district. So there's so many benefits to it. So that's the first thing is we've got to change our mindset and not just worry about, you know, well, what is, you know, is the school really getting any benefit from me working for them as a contract provider where I get to set my own rate as opposed to me working directly for the district. You can still be involved in the community. You can still be, you know, um, the SLP who has, you know, um, all the friends at the water cooler, you know, during yeah. your lunch or whatever, you can still be involved, but it's just a different, you're, you're approaching it differently. You're coming in kind of as a business owner, as a consultant versus the, the district, you know, hiring you as their employee. And then they determine your caseload. They determine how many extra activities you're responsible for. You know, you don't really have to worry about anything extra outside of your contract when you're a contract provider. That is something that comes up so often because I, I've talked to people who have been involved with their unions and really felt like their voice wasn't heard or wasn't a priority or had no idea how to negotiate that because there wasn't somebody who was just directly negotiating for them. Or, exactly. Yeah. And I say in an ideal world, you know, um, more contract therapists would be hired. More school districts will see the benefits of having contract providers because again, it comes down to how happy are these therapists, right? Are they putting in their best work because they're genuinely happy or are they just collecting a paycheck? And I will be the first to say that when I worked for a district and I was getting underpaid and overworked, I was not putting in, you know, I wasn't doing my best um, work. I was, you know, just trying to stay above water, just trying to <laughs> make sure that I didn't yeah. drop any balls. But um, when I have a, a comfortable workload um, and when I know that the stakes are high, you know, then of course I'm going to go the extra mile to make sure that, you know, um, the therapy activities I'm doing are, uh, you know, new and, and, and exciting activities. They're not just the same recycled stuff that I've been doing. I'm also going to make sure that, you know, the paperwork is done in a timely manner. Um, and so all of my therapists, you know, they all genuinely love their jobs and they all know that, you know, it's really a blessing for them to have a type, the types of jobs that they have. Uh, most of my therapists work from home because we have remote school positions um, that we contract them for. So um, they do very good work. They produce excellent results. Um, so I think ideally, you know, more districts would consider hiring contract therapy providers, um, therapy practice owners like myself to come in and do all of the staffing for them. And then they just pay us and we make sure that the the therapists are trained. We make sure that they're supported. You know, our support that we offer is, is, you know, 10 times more than what I had when I was working for a district because they don't even have usually um, someone in the same school as you who's been an SLP before, right? So it's mm -hmm. like just a different type of support. My team is, you know, is made up of 15 school-based therapists and everybody here collaborates with each other. Um, we do trainings, uh, we do our own in-services. So it's just a little different, you know. I remember even when I was in the schools 
working as an SLP that sometimes some of the trainings had nothing to do with what we do as SLPs. It was, you know, about math or science. And um, As contract providers, we don't have to attend those all staff meetings that don't apply to us. We can have our own meetings and really focus on um, things that apply to our uh, our scope of practice. So we recently had a meeting and one of my therapists did a whole webinar on gestalt language processing, which was amazing. But in a district, usually you don't have those types of uh, PDs when you go to the all staff meeting. So it's just a little different. Yeah, I, that's I mean, that's a common problem that I hear is that people say that it's it's something that isn't directly relevant to them or that they it's not that it's irrelevant, but they have this other thing that's more of a pressing issue in their therapy that they're not getting because there's all these other priorities when the the school administrators are trying to think about the PD. So do you do exactly. teletherapy? You do teletherapy services and 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 serve a whole like a like a large geographic area? Yes. So that was my other. I was trying to think of all the points I wanted to make to yeah. your one question. So um, as far as how we were able to expand. Um, the uh, access that we provide to care. Mm-hmm. We were able to reach, uh, you know, students who live like three hours uh, from our main location. And uh, what's very unique about the teletherapy services is that um, these are usually school districts that are in very rural areas where there's nobody who um, is within like a hundred miles who, you know, could provide services. They don't have um, enough people in the area to, um, you know, just hire and recruit a, an SLP um, who lives local to their district. So we were able to quickly, um, you know, serve about 700 students uh, via teletherapy. Um, and they had been waiting for months to find, you know, five or six therapists uh, to work at their schools. And they just couldn't find anyone because it's in such a remote area. So uh, so yes, to answer your original question about access to, to services, we were able to um, increase, you know, the geographic areas that um, we served and expand, I should say, expand those um, areas that we served by deciding to partner with this school district um, in rural Arizona. And uh, as a result of that, you know, uh, we are now in lots of different areas of the state, uh, as opposed to when I was just doing the clinic and home health, you know, we were in one small, like a couple of zip codes, basically. Mm-hmm. And that was it. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, school contracts also provide that opportunity. We actually just won another contract uh, recently. And this one is in the state of Texas. So we're even expanding outside of Arizona with our school contract services. Wow. Yeah, that's so with when we're trying to figure out like let's say that you maybe are either thinking about starting a private practice or maybe you have some clients and you're thinking about going to school contracts i guess there's probably different stages when you're thinking about just the whole process of starting a private practice so if you are somebody who is just starting out and wants to to get going and figure out um, you know, what do I want my private practice to be about? How do you assess where, what niche you're in, what the market needs, whether you should go home health, school contracts, like what's what's the process of doing that or just kind of the high level stages? Well, I'm going to give an answer that probably sounds very cliche, but um, I do business coaching and I always tell 
the people that I coach that everything that you do in your private practice or in your business, if you don't have a private practice, should go back to your mission statement and your vision. So the name of my private practice is CASA Speech and Development Services. CASA actually stands for Comprehensive Accessible Services for All. So the reason that I decided to expand into rural Arizona was because it's a part of my mission and my vision was to have accessible services for everyone. And so uh, for me, you know, I had a lot of opportunities that I could have said no to, um, like the school contract, you know, I, where I didn't know anything about teletherapy, but I was determined to figure it out so we can serve these kids. Um, you know, we also did a lot of other um, things that I had no idea what I was doing. Um, we started doing AAC evaluations at one point. Um, we added some non-therapy services to our clinic as well um, to help uh, parents of children with special needs. So we started doing parent advocacy. Uh, we do independent educational evaluations with districts as well. Mm -hmm. And so those are all extras that came, you know, after I decided I was going to go into private practice. Um, the opportunities came and I said yes to them because when I think about why I started this, it was really because I just wanted to provide access to as many people as possible when it came to the services that we provide. Um, Casa also means house in Spanish. Now, um, why did I choose that the word house in Spanish? Because originally we were just doing home health and I am a bilingual SLP. And so I wanted to be able to also um, appeal to the bilingual market because there's not a lot of bilingual SLPs out there. There are language barriers that prevent parents from even calling to ask about services. Yeah. And so um, we started, you know, servicing uh, bilingual um, families pretty much the moment that we got started. And then, you know, we got lots of requests for bilingual evaluations for districts. So I'm still doing those every spring. We usually get like a handful of those or more, you know, like 10 of them um, to complete for just districts all over the state. Um, some are done via teletherapy. Some are done, you know, where I go to the school. So um, finding a niche for me really was about what is my mission and what is my vision? If your mission is to serve just one population, then focus on just that one population, but you don't have to limit it to just doing home health. You can serve that population in different ways. You can do home health. You can do parent coaching. Um, you can do, you know, teletherapy. There's so many ways that you can serve that, that population, whatever it is. Um, for us, I didn't have a specific, you know, just one type of population. I wanted to serve bilingual families. I wanted to serve adults. I wanted to serve kids. And we do a little bit of everything here. So um, like I said, you know, originally I wanted to have a one-stop shop for therapists, um, which is really why I said, sure, I'll do teletherapy. Sure, I'll do AAC evals. Anything that came my way, I said yes. But now we're really starting to refine, um, you know, where we want to focus our growth. And um, our growth is really in the school contracts area and then as well as our home health. Yeah, that's it's that was so hard for me because some you get the advice of like, you know, only say yes to the stuff that aligns with this one thing. But it's so hard to take that advice and apply yeah. it to the right context because right. it sort of depends where you are in your business. I think that there's probably a stage where you should say yes to mm -hmm. 
most of the opportunities and maybe you get to a stage where you don't have the time or for whatever reason, you, you have to be more discerning with the things that you say yes to, but yeah. And it's kind of like raising children. You know, I don't know if you have kids, but I have two kids and, um, when they're in this, like, you know, stage between, I would say three years of age to like nine or 10, you start to give them the opportunity to explore what they're really passionate about. You know, you sign them up for the ballet lessons, you sign them up for football, you sign them up for whatever things that they might show a little bit of interest in, or maybe you want them to try and see if they're interested in it. And then once they get to a certain age, you're like, okay, we know that they for sure don't want to do soccer. So we're not going to focus on soccer anymore. We're going to focus on these three things, right? Or these, this one thing. So for my daughter, it's soccer. She used to do ballet. She's done swimming. She's done all these different things. Now it's just soccer, but she's at that age. She's 11 now. So she's kind of a preteen. And so from preteen onto adulthood, you know, she knows what she likes and we know what she likes. So we're just going to focus on that. So the same thing for your business, you know, when your business is a baby, you might want to try all these different things just to see what works, what doesn't work, what does your business like, what does your business not like. And then once it gets to that preteen or teenager stage, it's like, okay, let's just focus our efforts on these few things and let's become really good at these things that we're doing. And um, essentially that is how you, you know, that's how you create the identity for your business. That's how you create your brand, um, your, your brand overall, you know, it's just by focusing on these are the things that we're really good at. So um, while we have done, like I said, a bunch of different things in the past, I now know these are the things we're really good at. These are the things that we're focusing on. That makes sense. I like the parenting analogy because that is true. There are stages where you want to be exploratory and try things, but then there are other stages where it makes more sense to focus. I'm going to take a quick break here and talk about the time tracking journal, which is a strategy that I teach for improving time management, future planning, and of course, executive functioning. So this is helpful if you are working with kids who need support with academic tasks or daily tasks that require them to plan ahead, do multiple steps, motivate themselves to do things that aren't the most exciting thing that they have to do that day, and get them to be able to do those things independently. If you are a therapist, whether you're somebody who is in one building or whether you are somebody who contracts in multiple buildings, chances are you want to be a member of that school team who provides amazing support for the kids on your caseload, not just when they're in your therapy sessions, but also when they are going through the rest of their day. And a huge part of that is knowing how to collaborate with staff to help them to support executive functioning in the classroom. This can make a huge impact on the carryover of the skills that you're teaching them in therapy, as well as build their problem-solving skills. And a lot of people aren't really sure how to get started because a lot of times in classrooms, there are some organizers and checklists or planners that are being used. A lot of times kids are continuing to struggle even though they're being given tools that might help other kids be organized. 
And the thing is, is that if you are not teaching kids to engage in the internal planning needed to use organizers and other tools, then they're not going to be able to use them effectively. And that's going to cause behavior problems. It's going to cause kids to be a few steps behind when the class is moving along through their activities. And you might also find that those are the kids who have a lot of missing assignments and things like that. And if you are in a related service provider role, if you're the speech pathologist, the social worker, the counselor, the psychologist, or any other member of that IEP team who's providing support, you can be a huge asset in supporting kids across their day. And executive functioning support is a huge part of how you can do that. In the Time Tracking Journal, I give you a strategy and a framework for making that happen. You can learn more about the Time Tracking Journal at drkarendudekbrennan.com backslash time journal. Now, let's get back to the interview. I know you get a lot of questions from people since you have started talking more about the business side of things. So I am curious, what are the most common questions you get? Or are there things that people think about business, private practice that are maybe not the right mindset to have about things? Yes. So I get asked tons of questions. Um, I originally started coaching just on school contracts because that was what, what my first class was about, you know, mm-hmm. that was kind of what I became known for on Instagram. I'm under my, my handle is SLP contracts queen. So, um, but then I started getting all sorts of business questions. And um, I think that, you know, the biggest um, issue that I see with a lot of private practice owners um, specifically in our industry in speech language pathology is that um, they really don't know how much potential they have um, to become a seven-figure business if that's what they want to become. Um, I I think that a lot of people get stuck in the mindset of, I just need to make $100,000. That's good enough for me to pay all my bills. And I would feel very satisfied making a six-figure salary as an SLP. But what they don't realize is that if you decide to grow, um, you are not only helping yourself, but you're also helping the profession as a whole because you're able to now provide opportunities for other people who work for you to make six figures as SLPs. Um, You're able to provide access to families in your community if you have enough revenue to support building a clinic, right? So there's so many things that um, come when you decide to grow. And I think that overall people are just afraid. They're afraid of taking that leap, you know, and saying, okay, I'm going to go for 200,000. I'm going to go for 500,000. I'm going to go for $1 million. Um, It's scary. It's a big, scary leap because there's so many risks that you have to take. Um, But I remember back in 2021, um, that was the year that I decided I wanted to become a seven-figure private practice. And um, it was such a, you know, it seemed like such a, uh, it was an ambitious goal. I didn't think that I, I never thought that I wasn't going to achieve it, but it was like, that number, I just couldn't like mentally see myself mm-hmm. as a seven figure business, you know? And, um, I achieved that goal at the end of 2021. And, um, I realized, wow, like if I can do this, anybody can, anybody can do this, but so many people get 
caught up in the um, just the mindset of um, scarcity, right? There's not enough. There's not not enough patients to go around. Nobody was going to come want to come work for me. Um, you know, how could I possibly make this type of money as a speech language pathologist? You know, um, so I think just getting out of your own head is one of the biggest things that um, I noticed that a lot of people have to do. And so I encourage people, you know, get a coach, get a mentor. Um, without my coaches and mentors, I wouldn't have been able to achieve any of my um, big goals for private practice. You know, I'm a pretty motivated person. I'm a, I'm a self-starter, but when I hit roadblocks, I need that coach and that mentor to tell me to keep going because there've been so many times where I get a curveball and I'm like, okay, I'm just going to quit and go work at a school. I just need to, you know, give up on this dream. And um, luckily I have a mentor or, you know, a coach that tells me to keep going because, you know, there's, this is just a stumbling block and um, I can, I can reach the goal that I have in mind, but I can't give up. And so, um, so yeah, that's how I've been able to, you know, go from, I think my first year I had maybe like low six figures and revenue like 300,000 or something like that doubled it my second year and then my third year in business made it to seven figures and now we're about to double that in 2022 so it's just been um or I'm sorry 2023 so it's just been a crazy um journey but um I've always thought about my business um and as a business you know not as a job for me but as a business how do you find good coaches and mentors because some of them, you know, there's a lot of people who are very good in business and they don't necessarily know about the education and the SLP field. So, and then there's other people who um, maybe they are a really good clinician, but they haven't had as much experience in business. So how do you balance that when you're trying to find a good person to guide you through those things and then balance the mindset versus the tactical and figure out yeah. how to get through those roadblocks? You know, I think that it's important to have a coach or a mentor for different aspects of your life, different yeah. aspects of your business as well. So I have someone who's a phenomenal PR and marketing mentor. She's written articles for, you know, several people. She's written articles for me so that I can send those off to get possibly featured in different um, publications. And, um, that's all she does is she coaches me on PR and how to, how to get more visibility um, around my personal brand, because a lot of business owners also don't realize that um, in order for you to get to a certain level, you have to have good visibility in the marketplace and you have to have a personal brand. People need to know that you're credible and that you are um, someone that they can trust, right? People buy products and services from people that they know, like, and trust. And so me having a, you know, good, um, good, me having good visibility in the marketplace means getting published in, you know, local publications, um, being able to have, uh, you know, a network of people around me in my community who know of me and who will refer to people to me. Right. So I have a mentor for that. Um, I have a mentor for my business, you know, just in general. Um, someone who helps me make decisions like who I need to hire, who I need to fire. Um, what are some, you know, new innovations that I need to start thinking about? Um, 
I have mentors for financial advice and financial coaching, you know? Um, so you want to have mentors for different things. I don't think one person can, um, serve as your mentor for all the different moving parts, um, when it comes to owning a business, um, and how you find them is just, you know, I found a lot of my mentors just by going to networking events. I go to a lot of conferences. Um, I go to these conferences by myself. I usually don't have anyone that is able to go with me or that's interested in whatever topic it is. So I go to these conferences by myself and meet people. And that's how I find these mentors. I actually have a mentor for podcasting as well, because I have a podcast um, that I started doing back in January of this year. And then actually it was like two years ago that I started, then I stopped and I restarted in January. So I have this phenomenal mentor who has this like, I don't know, very, very popular podcast um, with hundreds of thousands of downloads. Um, And I met her just by going to a conference on podcasting. So you can meet these industry uh, experts and have them become your mentor just by putting yourself in the room with them. I think that's really important to have people with in specific areas, because I have definitely made the mistake of trying to use one person outside of their skill sets or outside of their area. And I don't know that everybody is always able to articulate that. Not all coaches are able to just say like, I like, let's just focus on this and this is outside of my skill set. So that's something that, that I've learned where it's um, just coming to those conversations clear about where this person's skills lie and how I can best use them because, because some people just, they want to help you. And so they'll try to help you, but they might not not be the best person for that specific area. Yes. Yeah. I've, I found that too, with the business stuff, as I've learned more about it, that when you're not a business person, like all PR marketing, finance um, operations to me, when I didn't know about that, it was all business and it was all the same. I didn't realize that there were all these different categories and skills that you needed. And so uh, that's been something that's been a big learning curve for me where it's, okay, this person is really good at presentation and design, but maybe they don't know how to do, you know, Facebook ads or funnel diagnostics or, you know, measure all my quick through rates and all of my different things that I need to do exactly. on the back end. And it, it's not helpful to be talking about that with them because they might, yeah. you know, they, they're, but they're amazing at this other thing over here. So. Yeah, for I sure. Think- and I think if you're someone who, for example, is working in a school right now and you're like, I want to start a private practice, but I don't know where to start. Find someone who started a private practice. They don't have to be, you know, the biggest private practice owner in your area. It could be someone who started their private practice a year ago and maybe they have, you know, 20 patients, but they're five steps ahead of where you are. So make that person your mentor and then you move up. You know, Mm -hmm. if, if you're, um, if you're on the same level as your mentor, then it's time to move up to someone else. And you can still, um, you know, keep in contact with that person. You can become co-mentors where you help each other. Mm-hmm. But the person that you should really be getting advice from regularly uh, should be someone who is in a position that you're striving towards, that you want to get to, whether that's financially, whether that's, you know, in their business, whether that's spiritually, whatever it is, find someone who is five, 10, 15 steps ahead of where you are right now and uh, become, you know, their students, start learning from some of the uh, conversations that you have with them. Um, You know, 
my mentor, one of my previous mentors, um, she was really big into school contracts for several years before I started doing school contracts. And now we have probably about the same number of school contracts. So we're more like co-mentors, you know, for each other. Um, but I also have mentors who, um, who are, you know, even beyond where I am. Um, they're in multiple states. Um, they have, you know, contracts for different services just uh, besides speech. So, you know, there's, there's different mentors that can serve um, in different areas of your life. How, what are, you, what are your thoughts on finding somebody who is way ahead of where you are, but where you want to be versus somebody who is just a few steps ahead of you? Do you ever run into the issue of um, just feeling like they're so far ahead of you that you can't even like, is there, is there a point where that person is just too far beyond where you are right now that it, it doesn't make sense? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think that can become an issue because, you know, that person may not be able to go back to mm -hmm. when they were in your, in your position. Right. So when I started doing group coaching, for example, um, I kind of opened it up to anybody who wanted to be coached. Um, then I realized that there are some people that I could no longer serve as a coach because um, these people need someone who's still in that beginner stage of getting set up. They need someone who, you know, maybe is a year into their private practice who has, you know, who's recently gone through filling out an LLC and, you know, getting their first client. That has happened you know, a hundred, probably at this point, thousands of times over for me getting clients, you know, so I can't really relate to someone who's trying to get their first client as well as I can relate to someone who's, um, you know, making mid six figures in their private practice and wants to go to seven figures. Like that is someone that I can help the, the most effectively because um, that was just me, you know, a year and a half, two years ago. So, um, so yeah, find someone who, you know, is a few steps ahead of where you are. You know, I'm not saying don't get mentorship from people who are, you know, years down the line from where you are. Like I could still get mentorship from someone who has sold their private practice and retired. But um, the most um, practical advice I would get, and the most useful advice I think would be from someone who maybe is making two or three times. So for example, one of my mentors right now, you know, her, her clinic's about three times, four times the size of mine that's someone who, you know, a year and a half ago, two years ago was where I am. Right. So, um, definitely think about that as well as you choose mentors. Um, so for me, I, I have now a, um, a form that people had to fill out to qualify to be coached by me, because if you're someone who's just thinking about starting a private practice, then I'm going to refer you to someone else who I know would be able to serve you better. Yeah, that makes sense. I can relate to the whole idea of do they understand where you are? Because yes. there, I mean, there are times where I think that that person can be like, it's kind of hard to tease out where they are. And are they, are they ahead of you to be able to get you to that next step? But also, Sometimes you have to take the advice and think about, does it make sense for me right now? That's the way that that's shown up for me has been with things like Facebook ads, because there's these people who have six figure ad budgets per month. And I'm a person who is a bootstrap startup with a right. course for SLPs. Well, that doesn't make sense for me to be 
using the strategies that they're using in their Facebook ads when I am a different size than they are and a different stage in my business. And so there's correct context is so important. Um, Absolutely. Just with the, and with your content strategy too, I know that that's something that um, is relevant for private practice is relevant for people who do have products or services. When you're thinking about your social media strategy, like it happens a lot with, um, with Gary Vaynerchuk. I've noticed that he's like post a hundred times a day. And I'm like, well, he can do that because he has a huge media company, but right. maybe you starting out, you start out posting one time a week or one time a day or whatever. It right. Is. That's the, the online social media version of, of what you're saying. <laughs> no, exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I think about it for my courses, right? I don't, I don't have a very big team for my course. Uh, business. I have myself and a virtual assistant, basically. Um, So my content strategy for that is going to look a lot different than um, my private practice where I have 63 staff members and I can assign someone to do, you know, a post a day, right? Or whatever. So it it, it does, like you said, context is very important. Um, As you set your goals and as you work with your mentor, um, because again, they need to understand where you are. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that it's, I always appreciate when someone can say, you know what, I'm not a good fit for you, or I am this that you're asking to be me right now is, is not a fit for my skill set. Let me go and refer you to somebody else. I mean, I have, I think about that when I'm a, like a patient going for a medical service, because that drives me crazy when people clearly are not addressing your needs, but then they're not showing you, like they're not referring you out to somebody else or, or they're not at least telling you, I can't help you with that. Um, That is, um, I feel like you have to be a good consumer of, and be an advocate for yourself in that process to seek out the mentorship, because it's not something that is going to just fall in your lap if you're not looking for it. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I would agree with that for sure. So where, what are all the different things that you're working on right now for people who are um, interested in, I know that you have some resources for people who are interested in private practice. You have a private practice and you also have a podcast where you talk about a lot of this business, um, you know, business advice and some of the things that you have worked through in your private practice. So where can people go to connect with you, learn more about some of the support that you offer. So um, you're right. I have a few different platforms uh, for my businesses. So first of all, my private practice is Casa Speech underscore OT underscore AZ. Um, That's exclusively content for the private practice. Um, You know, we'll show when we're running our camps and when we have team members join. Um, So if you're interested in that, just, you know, want to keep up with CASA, uh, you can find me there. Um, For the business courses and coaching and mentoring, I have a separate page. It's called the SLP Business Suite, Um, SLP, as in speech language pathologist, business suite. And on that page on Instagram, we post a lot of our new courses that are coming out. We post um, just anything related to business quotes, um, you know, different uh, infographics, things like that, uh, just to really encourage people who are 
you know, going through the whole entrepreneurship journey together or thinking about it. And um, I also share when new podcast episodes are released on that page. And the podcast is called the SLP Business Podcast. So uh, again, the podcast started actually like two years ago. It was a completely different podcast. Um, it was focused more on being a home health uh, therapist. And then I changed it to the business podcast. Um, but I share, you know, different things that I go through in my business. I think uh, one of my last episodes was about, you know, this this change that I was going through in my business with staffing and how I was navigating that um, during, you know, a time of just uh, extreme, just uh, frustration and, you know, fatigue and just feeling like, you know, is this even worth it anymore? Um, so I share a lot of, you know, personal um, journeys and just different things that uh, people want to know about, you know, uh, being a business owner. Um, I also share different tips. You know, we, I also did a, that same week did an episode on um, HR mistakes that you might be making in your small business. So um, usually the podcast episodes that are business focused have to do with like a course that we just released. So we released mm -hmm. a course on HR essentials for small business. And then I did a podcast episode on five HR mistakes you might be making in your private practice. So um, these are all resources again, that I offer uh, for free because I know that there is such a lack of business information and resources out there for speech language pathologists and educators who want to start a business. Um, I, you know, I, my hope is that um, there will be more um, access to coaches and, um, and webinars and things like that as more people start to explore entrepreneurship. But um, at the present moment, you know, there's only a handful of people out there who are really there to serve SLPs who want to be business owners. So um, hope, I hope that you guys, you know, find the resources helpful. Uh, it's actually, you know, a passion, excuse me, it's a passion of mine um, to teach others. You know, I started my career before I became an SLP as a teacher. And so naturally teaching was one of the things that I wanted to do um, on the side when I started to get bored with just being an SLP and owning my private practice. So uh, please check out those resources. Um, and then last but not least, I do have a personal Instagram page um, where I share a lot of behind the scenes of my business. Um, you know, I'm someone who's an open book. So things that I share on social media, sometimes I'm like, oh, I overshared. But then I realized <laughs> that somebody needs to see this, right? Somebody yeah. needs to see the fact that uh, I had, you know, uh, somebody on my team who literally, you know, um, was <laughs> was one of the, you know, worst people for this position. And I don't get into too much detail. Like, I'm not going to say their name. I'm not going to say what their position was or anything, but I do share, you know, kind of behind the scenes of the day to day. It's not always, um, you know, going to the bank and cashing checks and, um, getting to, you know, take your team on these amazing, um, retreats and dinners and things like that. There, there's a lot that, that happens behind the scenes that people need to see, uh, because a lot of times people just see the success and they don't see, the rest of, you know, what it took to get there. So um, that that Instagram account is SLP Contracts Queen. Um, and just a disclaimer, if you do work for me in any capacity, then um, you will not have full access to my uh, my Instagram account. because I'd like to keep that, you know, limited to those who um, are going to benefit the most from the content. And usually it's people who, like me, are looking for um, some sort of you know, just uh, validation that, okay, I'm not 
going through this by, on my own as a business owner. Um, but people who work for me, you know, I, I try to limit um, just their access to my personal stories because, again, they, they do work for my business. And um, there are a lot of things that I I feel, don't feel comfortable sharing with people who uh, work for the company, either for, for proprietary reasons or just because, um, you know, they they need to see um, they don't need to see the days where I'm like, I'm just going to quit doing this, you know, and throw in yeah. the towel, like the, you know, um, but it is very, it is very real. And, um, you know, that's what I like to do. I like to be honest and open. So anyway, um, again, those three uh, Instagram accounts are Casa Speech underscore, or Casa Speech underscore OT underscore AZ, BSLP Business Suite and SLP Contracts Queen. Great. Well, we'll link to all of those. And what I think one of the things that I appreciate uh, about what you're doing is that you are you are doing what you're teaching. And that's not always the case with a lot of the entrepreneurship courses. There's a lot of people who maybe dabbled in it a little bit and then they're teaching. And I mean, you actually know what you're talking about and you have all of this experience that you can bring to the table and it's SLP specific and you understand that. So, so yeah. yes, definitely check it out. So thank you so much for being here with me today. Absolutely. This was such a great podcast um, interview and very unique in the fact that, you know, your audience is um, SLPs and educators. And, uh, you know, I, I, I feel very uh, fortunate that I was able to relate to both of those audiences because I was a teacher and, you know, mm-hmm. now I'm an SLP. Um, and so thank you for having me on. And uh, I look forward to just continuing to connect with uh, listeners and, uh, Stay connect, staying connected with you as well, Karen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Be sure to check the show notes for all of the links to where you can connect with Ebony. Also, be sure to check out the B Podcast Network if you want to find shows that are going to help you be a leader in your role in K-12 education, whether you are an administrator, whether you're in a leadership role, whether you are working directly with students, or whether you're considering some kind of a career transition or a side hustle. Also, if you want to learn a strategy for improving time management, future planning that is going to support executive functioning and problem solving during daily tasks, be sure to check out the Time Tracking Journal. You can learn more at drkarendudekbrannon.com backslash time journal. As always, it helps me so much if you rate and review the DeFacto Leaders podcast wherever you get your podcast. And if you are interested in being a guest on the show, or if you have a suggestion for a guest, please email me at talktome at drkarenspeech.com. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you next time.
you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers time, improve students' performance on state assessments without just teaching to the test, you can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com backslash BE to learn how IXL's research-based teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com backslash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into the master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out My Flex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flex time without the common challenges. Its intuitive design makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com backslash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com backslash BE.